75 of Three Beers in a Movie. I'm Richard Laird and I'm with... Barry Neal. Well, I'm not with you tonight, Barry. No, no, we are separated by postcodes. Yes, we so. are. Um, it's a particularly horrible day here in the west of Scotland. Um, it's pretty horrendous, so we are doing this over via telephone tonight. Uh, it's, not yes. something, it's not something we do too often. We do prefer to get out to the pub, usually, to go and see something, um, to, to talk about stuff. But just today just became just silly to try and force ourselves to get into the pub when it is just absolutely horrible outside. Yes. Yeah, yeah it's definitely the better choice just to, after work, just go home, dry ourselves out, and yeah. then do yeah. a little bit of recording. I think I literally am only just about now getting dried off. Uh, <laughs> yes, um, uh, I'm starting to see the wrinkles are starting to disappear. <laughs> So it's all good. It was all a good. it was a particularly drowned day today in, in the west of Scotland. So, but hopefully he's going to stop at some point. Um, so I assume you're not drinking anything tonight. No, no, it's a sober affair due to it's a false day, and I'm not in the pub, so I don't really have any temptations. No, so. yeah, yeah, much the same. Nothing, nothing going on here either. Just like if, if it was a Friday night, maybe we'd be drinking. How we how we drink just after work? But no, if I'm at home on a Thursday night, then I'm not going to be partaking in anything. Of the alcoholic variety, so it's it's all just diet coke for myself. Yes, yeah. I'm I'm on the tap water, so, so you know I'm so I'm slumming it. <laughs> we, are, we are wild today, but we'll, we'll still get through our movies as we always do. Um, yes. So you've not seen anything at home, you said of interest. Um, but you did, no, no, but it's you been were, quite weak. You had to tell me off, mate. You went and saw the Grinch again. Yes, I did. Be- <laughs> you probably the only man who's seen the Grinch twice. Did you? What? In the space in the space of like a week. Yeah. Let's- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a very it's a very odd film. Of all the films that are out this night, you've probably seen twice in a year, you know, you went and seen The Grinch twice. It's a very odd selection. Um, but you took your lady to see it this time. Did she also enjoy it as much as yourself? Yeah, she actually really enjoyed it. She she did she did have a good few chuckles herself. Yeah. Um so that's the main thing. That's the main thing. So we we we're giving thumbs up to the Grinch still. Um I've been busier, I've watched quite a few things at home of late. I watched one that's on Sky called Sweet Country. Which okay. is an Australian movie. Um, it's basically about a uh, Aboriginal man who gets accused of of he does kill someone, um, but it's more like did he have just cause to kill someone? And it's basically the police pursuing him across the outback, and then his eventual uh-huh. trial and sort of it's set in the nineteen I think nineteen twenties. It's set post World War One, um, and it's still in that time frame in Australia when Australia was obviously. Still a particularly racist place, you know. The, the people of Aboriginal origin were still treated as basically they were treated as flora and fauna up until the nineteen seventies. They weren't actually treated as people. That's mental. It's, it, yeah, it's utterly insane. Um, so it was it's sort of it's sort of delving into that that part of the country's history. Um, in the film, you got Sam Neil, which is obviously Sam Neil is always just freaking fantastic. You know, you never really see him doing anything wrong, and that's a really really well done um, sort of like. Um, slice of sort of important slice of history. Um, I think it is based, if not on a single true story, but maybe an amalgamation of, you know, several true stories. Um, oh, okay. But it is, it is important to realize that stuff like this did happen, and you know, and basically this guy was assumed guilty based on the entire color of his skin, and the any sort of defense that he had was sort was um was negated by the fact that he was. A man of Aboriginal origin speaking out against someone or, or speaking against someone of white, you know, ethnicity. Their yeah. their word became you know the sort of that that's what happened. Why why would a white man lie? You know, so 
Um, it's really interesting film, really well done, beautifully shot. It's all set in the Australian outbacks, you know. It's all set in that in, the, in that desert, which always looks stunning when you see yes. it on film. And I really like Aussie film. It's got a real kind of dirty kind of punk rockness about it. I think when you watch it, mm-hmm. you know, it's never really quite as clean cut as American stuff. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah it seems it seems a little bit dirty. You know, it seems it's nice, it seems a bit more like sort of how filmmaking was maybe back in the seventies in America. You know, it's, it has that kind of almost. Which act- which I kind of like the fact that they have their own kind of like unique style of like shooting films and editing films. I always like that about yeah. like Australian Australian films how yeah. they've got that certain look about them. And I guess for most part, most parts in the world have that look. They've yeah. all got that individual style, you know. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I mean, a lot of countries will influence each other. Obviously, a lot of films may have an American influence, you know, on them because America is sort of the biggest export of sort of mainstream film, you know, across you know so many Western cultures, but. They, it's, it's the way they take this like sort of American idea and sort of give it its own week and its own twist and that's really important especially when you watch something like say Australian movies or even you watch like even Japanese movies you know they have a very distinct you know structure and style and authorship that makes them in, almost instantly recognise what is something different you know it's not just your standard American Hollywood you know Hollywood movie um, so no no sweet, sweet country it's on Netflix not on Netflix it's on Sky um, just a really interesting, well done film. Um, maybe not the happiest of watches, you know. Maybe not, yes. you know, but definitely a worthwhile watch to see it. And you get a lot of good Australian actors, um, you know, doing their, doing their, um, doing their thing. Um, so that was one film I watched this week. The other one I watched was an old movie called Bottle Rocket, which I don't know if you've seen. Oh. It's um, a Wes Anderson film. It says debut movie. Oh, okay. Um, so it's direct, I think it was back in '95 or '96. It came out. Um, it stars uh, Owen Wilson and Luke Wilson, um, not playing brothers, which I found very odd throughout the whole film. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not actually playing brothers, um, and essentially it's like so one of them. One of them comes out of like, sort of a mental home when he was put in for various psychiatric reasons, and they go about planning this robbery um, that's, that essentially goes awry, and it's sort of a, a, not quite a day in the life of, but it's sort of a it's sort of a, a month or a couple of months in the life of these two guys as a friendship sort of grows and then falls apart and then regrows again and there's a girl thrown in there as well at some point um, it's just this sort of um, this sort of slice of life um, you get um, sort of that American indie cinema look um, I liked it, I was, I was really surprised how much I liked it, like, I don't really like Wes Anderson stuff generally, I don't know how you feel about him um, uh, I can take him or leave him, I, I don't ever like rush out and make a particular point about kind of watching his stuff in particular, uh. but if I happen to come across them, then yeah, I'll probably usually sit and watch it. Yeah, there's a couple of Wes Anderson films I really like. Like I really like Fantastic Mr. Fox, um, and I really uh-huh. liked um, Rushmore. But a lot of these stuff I just find very almost too Wes Andersony. It's almost it's trying too hard to be a Wes Anderson film, like that one this year, Isle of Dogs, um, yes. or the, the Life Aquatic. You know, stuff like that. I just find it's maybe trying a little bit too hard to be what it's supposed. Like, you know, what what he's trying. It feels too like it's trying too hard to be what people expect it to be. Um, Grand, yes. Buda, Grand, Buda, Grand Budapest Hotel is another example of that. Um, this one doesn't feel like that because it's sort of his first film, so he hasn't really found that sort of voice that people have came to identify as. You know, uh-huh. so it, it plays much more the straight indie film. If you know, if someone told you this was made by. Jason Reitman or even Kevin Smith or so, or you know, something like that, you would believe it. It has just that kind of indie cred to it. It doesn't really feel like it's a uh, a Wes Anderson movie, which maybe why I liked it more than I've liked a lot of these other films of of, of late. It actually felt it just felt like a good solid kind of indie movie that had its time and place. Um, but but overall, it was just an enjoyable, decent story, well done, well acted. You can see why the guys in it, like Luke Wilson and Owen Wilson, all became 
you know, pretty big stars in their own right, and they all had their own movies and TV shows. I mean, you can see there's a definite star quality to both of them. Do the Owens look like each other? I don't think I've ever seen... Uh, they've, sorry. They've all got the nose. Right, okay. Um, I think Luke Wilson is a slightly handsomer version of Owen Wilson. I'm not really sure why Owen Wilson has got the cred. I think Luke Wilson is, is the sort of more handsome version. Um, but yeah, there is definitely... It's a bit like the Hemsworths. You can tell the Hemsworths are all related. You can tell all the, the, the Wilsons are all pretty much related. Which is what really got me surprised at one point when they weren't playing brothers. He was talking about his... One of the characters talks about his brother and, and I've seen the film going... Sorry, I'm like, you're not playing brothers? That seems very odd that you're not actually playing the, the brothers in this film. But it's, that's just the way they went with it. But no, it's, 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 like I said, it's, it's, it's a decent enough film. I think you'd, I think you'd probably quite enjoy it. You know, you being a fan of like Kevin Smith and things like that. Um, you'll, probably, you'll probably definitely get something from it. It's on Amazon right now, which is where I saw it. Oh, nice. I, yeah. I'll certainly look out for it. I'll add it to the list. Yeah. So um, also, like, again, we talk about the length of films. A nice 90 minutes. You know, nothing... You know, not nice. try, yeah, not trying to to you know go for like some huge, you know, two hour epic. You know, nice simple, ninety minutes I, story well told. Right. Sometimes it's not a bad thing. See, to have a good ninety minute movie that moves at pace and doesn't cast slow down for any particular reasons. Yep. I'm all for it. You know, yep, absolutely. Um and. Third film I saw this week at home, which wasn't, um, which is another time I've been busy at home today. I had a, I had a, I had a Sunday, I had a Sunday off with no lady annoying me, so I was able to sit and watch all the films. Um, was nice. one called Father Figures, uh-huh. which is a comedy, um, again starring Owen Wilson and Ed Helms from the Hangover films and We Are the Millers. Okay. Um, this time they are playing brothers, which, despite the fact they look nothing alike. Um, uh, and it's basically two brothers who find out on the day of their mother's wedding that, so the mother's like get married when she's in her late sixties, I think it is. She's supposed to be. She tells she makes it aware that their father, they thought was a father, isn't their father, and um, she tells them who she who she thinks her dad is because she's not entirely sure who, who the dad of the film could be. So they basically go on a road trip to try and speak to their their, their dad for the first time and sort of get to know him. Um, oh yeah, okay. Yeah, um. So when they're doing that, on the way they obviously start to start to understand their own relationship with each other. Um. The the, the story takes a couple of turns as they like the person who thinks their dad not their dad. Then there's another one who's not their dad. And there's another one who's not their dad. Then another one who might be their dad, but they're not really sure. And it's just sort of it's just a exploration of, you know, them trying to discover their, their father. Um. At times it's got some nice wee funny moments in it. You know, it's got a good cast in it, so you can you do a couple of chuckles in it. But a lot of the times it is exceptionally white and exceptionally middle class to the point of real tedium. Um, ah. You know, ro- ro- rocking at two hours and five minutes for a, for a, this kind of comedy seems, again, to me, a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. Um, it could have been trimmed back a little bit. But, like I said, I watched it on a Sunday afternoon. Um, it was chucking it down outside. It felt like an absolutely fine film for that kind of that, that kind of day. You know, it's, it's not, not fantastic, not terrible, just very, very blah. You know, it's one of the films that you... I think it got a little cinema release over here, but pretty much disappeared very quickly from the cinemas, and I can kind of totally see why. It doesn't really hold much, you know, that'll hold your attention beyond the time you're watching it for. There's nothing you'd you'd rush out to tell people, oh my god, I saw this film and I can't wait to tell you about it. Yeah, yeah. I can't. It seems like it's got that kind of just that generic comedy vibe about it. It's almost like comedy by the numbers, almost. You know? It did a little bit, yeah. It felt a little bit like sort of, well, you've seen this film played out before, you can, you knew. You know, there's going to be a lot of like, sort of false 
roads to go down before they finally get to somewhere. You can almost pick the beats of where the film's gonna be like okay, they're gonna fall out now, they're gonna they're gonna find something to reconcile them now, you know, it's it's it's, it's very generic and very and, and along and you know, sort of along those lines. But for if you're looking for something completely inoffensive to watch, I suppose it's it's not the worst thing to watch. I I would personally say you should watch Bottle Rocket rather than uh-huh. Father Figures, or indeed if you really want to push your the boat out, go for Sweet Country. And um, if you're looking for something home watch, Father Figures is on Sky. Um, uh-huh. uh, probably the weakest film I watched out of the three, but um, definitely it's it's a totally serviceable flick. No one comes out of it too badly, but no one really will put it down as their, their masterwork by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. yeah. Oh well. Yeah. Well, you watched it, you know. Yeah. So that's it. It's always good to yeah. find something you find something a wee gem in there, something you don't find a gem. This one was was obviously not a gem, but it's it's, it's what it is. Um, nice. But we'll move on to one that you have seen. It's again oh. a Netflix re- release. Um, didn't get much of a cinema release, I didn't get any sort of cinema release. Um, but it's a documentary called They'll Love Me When I'm Dead. Yes. Directed by Morgan Neville, uh-huh. who directed a film called 20 Feet from Stardom. I don't know if you've seen that one, it's all about the backing singers. Um, uh, no, I haven't no, actually. Really, I think I have seen it though. Uh, I've seen it on the list of things. Yeah, really good. I think he won an Oscar for it, uh, for Best Documentary. Um, apparently, it's absolutely fantastic. Um, I think. I think have I seen it? I'm, I'm really not sure. But apparently, it's very, I don't think I have actually. But I've heard it's very, very good. And I, I think it was only on Netflix for a very short piece of short, short period of time. Um, but you uh-huh. can find it. Apparently, it's very, very good. Okay. Um, so the plot of this film is quite a basic plot. It's um, it follows the life of Orson Welles, as these as people sort of uncover his final movie, um, which he never got to finish. Um, and they're trying to sort of piece together and, and come to terms of why he never got to make this final movie. But at the same time, it's sort of exploring like who um, Orson Welles was and about his backstory, about his history, you know, and, and, and what made him sort of one of the most kind of iconic figures in twentieth century film. He's sort of this this guy who stood as a sort of pinnacle of cinema. You know, he supposedly made the greatest film of all time in Citizen Kane. Then after Which. that, sort of struggled to to do much, you know, of the same level afterwards, and it's sort of trying to get to terms of who the man was. Um, mm-hmm. Were you aware of Orson Welles before you watched this? Overly, I did know that he had made Citizen Kane, but I was sitting there saying that to Stacey tonight. I feel actually really bad that, as always, this film always appears like very near the top, if not the top, like uh, so, like hundred greatest movies or whatever. Yeah, it's always in the top like ten. Yeah, of like every list out there going, if not number one. Yeah, and yet I have never seen it. I would, <laughs> so, I would, I would, generally, I would say you should see it. It's a very good film. It's, it's, it's maybe not as good as people make it out to be. I think it's an excellent film, though. Um, but uh-huh. it does a lot of stuff in the film from a technical point of view and sort of that, that's never been done before. And I think that's why it got a lot of credibility at the time as well. It was sort of, ah, okay. pu- it was sort of pushing these boundaries and pushing these ideas. And so it, it's epic in scale at times and it's very small in scale at times and it's doing a lot of different sort of fancy camera work that sort of maybe hadn't been seen before. Um, so it's, it's definitely worth watching from that point of view. Um, oh, okay. But in, in The Love Me When I'm Dead, you've got Alan Cumming, who is the narrator of the the show he sort of pops in now it's sort of little sort of you know talk to camera moments and you've also got a lot of these of Orson Welles's um people who worked with him and who were friends of him so mainly the big one is Peter Bogdanovich is the filmmaker and critic he's sort of a major player in the film and you've also got Frank Marshall the producer he pops up in it as well you get Sybil Shepherd appears for a little bit in it as well and you get Danny Houston who is the son of John Houston the, the director who was the one who's starring in the film that they they were Orson Welles was making. Do you remember the name of the film that he was making? Is it The Other Side of the Wind or something? It's called. 
It's um, where is it? Yeah, the yeah. other side of the wind. Yeah, um, which is on Netflix. Well, I haven't watched it yet. But it is on. No, Netflix. either that. But I'm actually quite intrigued to go and watch it now after watching this. Yeah. So you you, you didn't know much about Awesome Wars before this. What did you think of this film? Actually, as I was kind of sitting there watching it, I did actually kind of I started to kind of like really fall in love with his whole kind of the way he just went about things. It was very like kind of punk rock and roll. He was, but, he, like, was he was he was almost an indie filmmaker before an indie filmmaker came about. You know, he's putting sort yeah. of yeah yeah definitely I agree totally yeah. He just the way he went about things like after Citizen Kane, um, it was just like it's just it was just the way he went about things. It just like it was very like it's almost like. If someone was to try and be like that nowadays, it'd almost be like cliche to be like that. It'd almost be like uh, you're trying too hard to be that kind of way. But this guy just seemed to just be that way, and that yeah. was his life. And I did actually kind of feel quite sad in a way when he was talking about. Um, I'm not sure if he said it or if someone said it. How like um, it kind of came across like. Oh, in fact, no, he did say, sorry, he did say, it was when he said that a movie's never truly finished, yeah. because you can, you can always, you can, you're always thinking about how you could have made it better, yeah. and then when it was talking about the amount of films that he had never finished, and I started thinking, like, does this guy just love making films, but he's just always too scared to get them finished, or is there actual legit reasons why he never finished. Yeah, I mean, there's some stuff he finished, and then he all he had to do was like do the dubbing on it again, and he just didn't. He never got round to doing that. And if you like, what a, what a waste of time yeah. and effort and money and everything. And to, to have this film in the, the one about the boat wreck, I think it was. They had mm-hmm. in the can, finished, done, edited, completed. Just had to redub it, you know, for because some of the sound wasn't right, and he just never done that. And like, what a what an absolute waste of, you know, to not do that. I kind of hope in the coming years that all these kind of unfinished movies almost just get released like the way they are, the now, like, or like the one about the kind of shipwreck, they do go back and redub it because yeah. it's such a, a like a last minute thing that needs done. But all these unfinished ones, I'd love to them, like even just finding a home on Netflix or something just to kind of maybe drop one, like one a year just- and just like, just to show what, like this, this sort of piece of film history, you know, of like who yeah. yeah, no, I'm totally with you as well. I'd, I'd love to see what you're doing. I mean, I think the film that's out, the one that he's done, or the one that's credited to him, the other side of the wind, you know, you can maybe guarantee he probably wouldn't be happy with the version they've put out. Mm-hmm. But there is a version out there now, you know, which I think is it's important that it does get seen because obviously a lot of people, based on what you saw in that film, many people worked exceptionally hard on that film, you know, to actually get it, you know, to what it was, and the fact that the cameraman he worked with, almost, you know, he was pretty much almost destroyed by it to, to a great degree. You know, Absolutely. Of, you know, and the fact that uh, he also had, like, actors going away and doing, like, other work just to, so they could have money in their back pocket mm. while they were doing this project with him. Yeah. You know? I mean, think it shows you what a brilliant filmmaker he was. They're showing some, one of these films that he made that he shot, like, sort of, one, it was like a two-person shot, they shot one mm-hmm. scene, like say, in nineteen yes. in nineteen fifty one or something, and then they didn't shoot the reverse of that until like nineteen fifty five. But yet the shots matched absolutely perfectly. There was like you could never have told unless someone actually put like the, the shadows were perfect, the lighting was perfect. There was not a single thing you could never notice going that that was not shot on the same day. And that shows like. And the, sorry. I'm sorry. You go. I'm sorry, but and also like on top of that, it was also shot the. 
the other side of the shot that was done a couple of years later, that was shot in a completely different location. Yeah, yeah. But so you, but there was nothing to, that told you that. You never nothing to see that. But yeah, it was, yeah, that was to me utterly amazing. For a technical point of view, to like you said, to get the light and get the people and everyone in that position is just phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. You know? Um, but yeah, I, I actually I'm much like you. I really enjoyed it. Like I, I, I've known about Oscar since I've been. You know, since I started like really looking at film, because obviously he's a name that pops up in every film book and every every movie story he's got is somehow intrinsically tied to Austin Wells in some way. You know, mm-hmm. um. So, but this did open up a lot of stuff. You know, opened up. You know, the, the profound kind of loneliness he had towards the end of his life. You know, he seemed, he seemed yeah. to really struggle yeah. in his final years, and obviously he'd trouble with the, the you know his weight issue and his you know his health was not particularly great. Um, it didn't. Think- Sorry. Oh, sorry, I was just going to say, I think the thing that uh, finally probably crushed him was the fact that uh, it was when his movie got locked in that fresh vault, yeah. never to see the light of day. I think that was pretty much the nail in the coffin at that point. That's when he was really just pretty much at his lowest in yeah. the whole film. That's the vibe that I picked up from like that kind of bit. And then after that, it was him just trying to get back his film. Yeah. And then ultimately them just pulling out the trump cards and saying that it's like, it's not yours. You're like, what the fuck are you even talking about? Aye, um, it it did sort of touch on some of the dark areas of his life, but I, I, the only me doubts I have about it, it didn't really touch enough for him. It sort of left a lot unexplored. And I think mm-hmm. that's maybe because they were trying to use it more as a they're using the sort of his background and history more as a sort of filler to try and like sort of flesh out a few things about the filming of that particular movie. They weren't really doing mm-hmm. it. Like, it wasn't really. It wasn't so much like a biography of of the man. It was more like sort of looking at one particular film but you just need to know certain things just to make certain other things make sense you didn't need to know everything about them and for, yes. to, for this to make sense so there is obviously definitely there's, there's stuff to uncover there I think you know if they were to want to dig deeper into it and dig deeper into his past there's obviously definitely other stories there you know I mean, Austin Wells was you know he's probably one of the most photographed men from that time and one of the most spoken about men from, from that era so obviously there's a lot more there to sort of uncover and, and just dig into, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like a shame that he passed away or they never made a Winston Churchill movie back then because see when he's like fresh shaved, he looks like a, like a, like a slightly off uh, Winston Churchill. He does have a bit of Churchill look about him, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's the whole cigar look as well that kind of added to it, you know? Well, that's the thing, he, I mean, that's what shows you, that's what me, they got me. See, like you see him sitting around chomping on a cigar, that is sort of like, if you imagine what a Hollywood mogul or a Hollywood director would look like, you can yeah. picture that guy sitting in the chair with the big cigar in his, in his mouth. Um, oh, absolutely! That sort of like it's an iconic idea. That's what maybe now you might think maybe more maybe it'd be like a bit like a, a Spielberg maybe the guy with the, the baseball cap on maybe that might be something that springs to mind now. But for a long, yeah. long time, the, the idea of the, you know the, the cigar chomping director was sort of definitely sort of like embedded in the, the psyche. And I think all that comes from you know Austin Wells. You know that's that, that's where it all came from. Um, out of ten, what'd you give it? I'm gonna give it a seven. And I and a strong seven at that. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm much the same. I'm a little bit higher than you. Seven point five out of ten. I give it. Definitely enjoyed it um, a lot, and it engaged me a lot more than I thought it might. Um, uh-huh. So I was I was really pleased with what it was. I thought it opened up the man um, and, and let you see a bit into him, but didn't reveal enough. And that's the only thing I was like, just maybe not enough in it. And I just really want to know more. And that's not a bad thing. The documentary does that. It makes you want to know more about him. Um, and hopefully for someone like yourself who maybe not seen as much of his work as I have, it makes you want to go and maybe find some of his his work. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Like I said, I'm 
over the next coming days, I'm more than likely going to watch the other side of the wind yep. just to kind of see what it's like, and then end up, no doubt, watching Citizen, uh, Citizen Kane at some point. This Citizen, Citizen Kane's definitely worth watching. Um, absolutely, there's another one he does, um, which I'm trying to remember the name of it now. It's got one of the great Touch of Evil. It's got an amazing long shot in the Touch of Evil. Um, oh, so nice. It's a sort of absolutely phenomenal um, uh, uh, long shot, um, like single take, which is just amazing. Which people always. Um, talk about it's like one of the kind of early early ones um also a chance okay, cool. uh, chimes at midnight is also fantastic the trial is also great um f for fake is also good if you can try and find a, an audio recording of the war of the worlds that, that caused the mass panic uh-huh. uh, back yeah in yeah the, uh, the radio yeah uh, yeah, also, yeah also fantastic to listen to um but yeah anything the man did is it's, it's good definite you know it's definitely worth seeing even the transformers cartoon movie which, that was his last film has nice. got something about it, you know. The idea that his last movie was the voice of a mega planet, um, but yeah, so definitely, if you get a chance to watch it on Netflix, it's definitely worth spending some time just to sort of watch it. And I think it only comes out maybe about an hour and 50 minutes, something along those lines. Okay, cool. So yeah. it's pretty tight, yeah. Nice. Pretty, I, felt, I felt it was tight, um, for a documentary, yeah. Um, so yeah, so on to the second film we're going to talk about is one which, in a very odd turn of events, you've seen but I haven't in the cinema. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. This is this is most definitely a rarity, it, it doesn't happen too often. Um, <laughs> No, no. I make a point. I did try and see this film twice, um, oh. and twice I had to walk out of the cinema because of the assholiness of the cinema audience who went seeing this film. Um, oh. Which it's rare for me to walk out a film in the beginning with because of an audience. It's even more insane that I walked out twice to see the film, you know, because of the the audience. So, um, I seemed... really, I just don't understand why. So I will say. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, Sorry. yeah, I'm just, I'm not sorry people talk during films, but I mean, it's just, it was just, it's around. The first time I went and try and see it was, um, it was like sort of like Saturday afternoons, so it was all the young team they were in, you know, all the you know, 13 uh, yeah, yeah. To, to 15, 16 year olds, and you know, it's just, I felt like, I felt the oldest one in the room for a start, and I felt like, oh, this is going to be hellish. Um, yep. And 10 minutes into the film, it was pretty much hellish because everyone did not shut the fuck up for an entire 10 minutes of the film, and I went, you know what? I can't bother yelling at all of them because I don't want to be the old man doing that, so I'm just going to quietly take my leave. Um, and then tonight I'm going to try and go and see it in much the same, just absolute arsehole. So this film seems to attract a real arsehole element uh, to it for some reason. Um, so yeah, the, the which film, is kind of weird. It doesn't seem like a movie that like young people would probably want to go and see. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. but the film I'm talking about is Robin Hood, the, the yes. newest ada- adaptation of The Legend of Robin Hood, uh, directed by Otto Bathurst who is known for not any movies, he's not, I think he's not done any films before, but he did do Peaky, Peaky Blinders, which I think you've watched, haven't you? Uh, my good lady has watched I it. Assume she'd I, watched, I assume she'd watched it all because of, I think, her man pops up in it for about two minutes. Uh, yes. And he's also done a couple, I think maybe one or two Black Mirror episodes. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, so what I'm led to believe is the plot of this film is it's the Robin Hood legend, but given a sort of more modern twist, but still set in the oldie times. Yes. You know, it's, sort of, it's almost like Robin Hood cross with maybe something like Green Street, or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd go with that. It was, um, the kind of vibe that I got from it was, if you had seen the movie, I got a total Assassin's Creed Yeah, uh, King Arthur, maybe, maybe King Arthur as well. Yeah, King yeah. Arthur, yep, absolutely. Yeah. This is my first negative thing about this movie, was I don't like movies that... Well, sorry, I don't like films that uh, they set it in ye olden times but yeah. yet they're all wearing modern clothing yeah, that's, to some degree yeah, yeah that, that was really odd to me I mean I only saw the trailer so far but it looked very odd that he's wearing sort of basically a, a jacket from the Gap 
yeah, yeah. It literally I just don't like it I've never liked it and it's happened before in the past but um, yeah I just I don't know what it is I'm like if you're doing a period piece Make do it. the period piece no absolutely you know? um, so in the film you've got Taryn Egerton um, uh-huh. who we know from Kingsman and um, Eddie Eagle and also he's going to be in the Rocketman film the Elton John one um, he yes. plays the Robin Hood character you've got Jamie Foxx playing Little John uh, ben Mendelssohn, who is playing Sheriff of Nottingham. Uh, Tim Minchin, I think he's playing Friar Tuck, is that correct? Yes, yes, yes. Yep. Uh, you get Eve Hewson, I believe, playing Maid Marian. And you oh, have yes. the, you have the lady's favourite, Jamie Dornan, playing Will Scarlet, correct? Yes. Yes. Um, so, up, up, so it's all on you, Barry. What, what do you think of this film? Uh, outside of the whole like modern clothing and vintage times, uh, for the most part, I actually quite enjoyed this movie. All right, okay. Uh, yeah, it, it wasn't bad. It wasn't great. It's not, <laughs> it's not winning Oscars, put it that no, way. No, 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 I don't think uh, so. But, yeah, for the most part, it's a, it's a modern telling of the Robin Hood story that we all know. Uh-huh. So, yeah. and, it has, and it has been done several times over, so how much more can you really tell about it, you know? Well, that's, what, was, I, that's, that's what I thought about when I first saw him going, like, number one, why are you doing this again after the use of the Russell Crowe one out, what, about maybe eight or nine years ago, you had the Russell Crowe version out? Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking, what more do people need to know about Robin Hood? And what more can you do different to make it in any way interesting again? Yeah. You know, um, it, just seems, it just seems like it's been done to... I know it's every story been done to death to some degree, but I just felt like going, I don't really need to see the Robin Hood legend again. No, no, definitely not. And it's horrible because... I'm trying to leave it as spoiler-free as humanly possible. Yeah. The ending, unfortunately, does set up for some sort of kind of sequel. They're, they're, like, they're trying to make a world, are they? They're trying to make like sort of a franchise out of this. Like, yes, definitely. It, it it reeks of that at the end. I was just about like, oh god, here we go. Because the, uh, the trailer for this, I don't, I don't know if you saw the trailer. It sort of sets the, the the tagline they have in the trailer is you know get ready for Britain's original hero or something like that. You know, so they're trying to obviously pitch it into that almost like superhero Marvel DC world. Yeah, uh, I never seen the trailer, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't class him as a superhero by no. any stretch of the imagination because I don't know how true this is to the actual original story of Robin Hood, but certainly in this film, Robin comes from like a well-off family, and yeah. then, uh, and then he kind of just starts going about thieving, and He's then not... he gets drafted to the war that's happening then, and then he comes back, right. and then he realizes. Uh, little John is he was on the boat with him coming back the way and yeah. then they start and then little John hatches a plan to start stealing from the sheriff of Nottingham right. uh, so that kind of like, that's kind of where it all kicks off but like I said I don't I don't know the kind of source material if Robin Hood was actually like born into kind of a wealthy family and then he kind of turned his back on that life to kind of help the kind of underclass folk from what I'm led um, to believe Robin Hood legend is sort of it's surrounded in legend and myth and sort of there's no sort of definitive understanding of you know of who he was or, uh, you know it's sort of I think they, from what I've read they, they do think he did come from nobility to some degree okay. um, and he has sort of you know slummed it to some some extent but they don't even know if he actually did exist as a person you know he could just be uh, like sort of a, a folk tale that people told and it's sort of it's taken on these like sort of myth you know epic nature and the the story lasted all these years, so they don't actually know 100% for sure that he did actually exist as one person. It could be one yeah. of those things, but it's an amalgamation of like several different people who came this Robin of the Hood. 
Um, so yeah, so it's a, it's a, it's definitely it's a shrouded in mystery story. So I think at that point, you've got a lot of license to do kind of what you what you feel works yeah. for your version of it. Fair enough, fair enough. Is you know, like I said, it's not the worst film I've ever seen, but yeah. it's also not the greatest film either. Yeah. Uh, I'm just trying to see the running time here. 160 minutes. So it's just so, shy of two hours. Yeah, it's it's pushing the two hour mark, yeah. and there is moments in it that you do feel could have been cut out and kind of sped up a bit. Like yeah. the whole thing about him going off to war, yeah, I felt was quite a big bit, and then him schmoozing with the. Uh, sheriff when he came by yeah. I'm a bit like we didn't really need to see this completely fleshed out they could have kind of trimmed it a little bit yeah. and just kind of got more to the chase because everyone, everyone knows Robin Hood Sheriff Nottingham they're enemies you know it's pretty yeah. it's, 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 that's well known in lore you know, you don't need to really push that point compare um, Egerton what would you think of him in the, the, the lead role Robin Hood was he engaging enough for you yeah absolutely yeah, yeah he played it well I said he can he kind of looks like a guy who you would expect to come from like a well-off family, so yeah. he's got that kind of look about himself. Yeah. Um, no, I thought he played the character really well. Like I said, for most of it, he is also wearing a, a, a hood. Yeah. So uh, for most of it, he is kind of hidden under that. Yeah. He's jumping about and firing adult, uh, arrows yeah. and all that. Um, I thought the Jamie Foxx, him playing Little John, was a bit interesting because... Yeah. Little John in this movie is meant to be like Arabian or something like that. Yep. So that kind of threw me up a little bit. I was about like, uh, Jamie Foxx, I kind of pushing it there. Yeah. If, it's, if he's not Arabian, he's certainly like Middle Eastern anyway. Yeah, he's supposed to be a mover. What about Ben Mendelsohn as Prince uh, Sheriff of Nottingham? How is he? Yeah, you know what? He absolutely played a baddie right down to a tee. Yeah, he was cause... absolutely... Uh, fantastic. The only thing that ruined it was the fact that he was wearing some sort of like very matrixy trench coat right. that was silver of all things. Oh, right, wow. And I'm like, what? Because <laughs> he's going to, yeah. he's always going to get anyone who plays Chevy Nottingham will forever be compared to Rickman playing Nottingham. Mm. You know, that's that's who you're going to get up against. So you've either got to go bigger than Rickman, which is pretty hard to do in that film, or you've got to find your own, you know, your own spin on it to make it, you know, different from what Rickman did. You can't just go for out and out evil mean. You got to actually find some kind of maybe a more sympathetic way into the character. Um, but yeah, um, interesting. You know, like we said, Robin Hood has done a lot of time. What's your? Have you seen a lot of Robin Hood adaptations in the past? Uh, well, I've seen the Rickman one. Yeah. And I'm trying to think. I don't think I've seen the Russell Crowe one. Okay. Have you seen the Disney uh, adaptation with the foxes? Yes, I have. Yes. <laughs> yes. So I've seen that one as well. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think that's about it. I yeah, think I've only seen the other two. Okay. So compare it to the the Kevin Costner 1994 one. I think it was. How's that? How's it compared to that one? This one better or worse than that one? Definitely worse. Like I said, the whole Kelly modern clothing thing also sorry they also do a it's quite near the end of the film they're doing some sort of kind of like scene now I don't know if this movie's came out in 3D or not I think it might have done yes but there's a giant scene in that that goes fucking weird on your eyes if you're watching it in 2D oh, okay. it's like it's there's it's a lot of moving bits right. in it that happen really quickly but all of a sudden it just goes weird and I'm like it, it goes like blurry like it's been shot for 3D right. to give it like some sort of strange depth I feel but uh, I just sat there and I'm like that is really jarring to uh, have that in such a like, pretty much the climax of the movie is this kind of like 
big kind of chase stroke fight, you yeah. know, between Robin and uh, the guy sheriff of Nottingham's like men that he's yeah. hired to try and track him down. And I was just like, that's really kind of jargon in a 2D film, you yeah. know? So, out of 10? Uh, out of 10. Out of 10. Where are we going? I'm going to go... I'm gonna go middle of the road. I'm going five. Five out of ten. Five. So it's it's yeah, competent f- without being inspiring. Yeah, I think this is definitely a bored Sunday afternoon watch, and I don't think you would come away from it feeling. Uh, I don't think you come across. Sorry, come away feeling like you had wasted your Sunday afternoon. I think it's a perfect time slot for that. Would you feel a bit pissed off if you spent money to see it at the cinema though? No, because it was enjoyable enough. Okay. Uh, if you if you enjoyed the kind of feeling of the Assassin's Creed movies, then you'll probably enjoy it enough. Okay. You know, the box office says no one enjoyed those films. Oh, I, I do know the US market has been absolutely like slammed. Yes, yeah. like it's opening weekend done like nine million or yeah. something like that. Yeah, I think I think the Grinch is still top of the the US box office now, which tells you it's been, it? yeah, it's been over a couple of weeks now, so. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so on to the third film this week, which is only one other one out in the cinema we saw, um, which I saw, I don't think you saw this one, it's called Assassination Nation. No, I did not, so this one's all yours. Oh, me, um, written by Sam Levinson, who is the author, who done Another Happy Day. Um, mm-hmm. The plot of this film is essentially where it's sort of based around the like sort of phone hacking and, and all that kind of stuff that happened a few years ago with the whole, you know, when all the celebrities got their phones hacked, but rather than being celebrities, it's, it's, a, it's a town and... Um, Massachusetts called Salem, which obviously is well known for its um, witchy trials. Um, mm-hmm. Essentially, it's sort of it, the town gets hacked and people's lives start getting put up on the internet. People start finding out everything they need to know about their neighbours and things they don't want to know about their neighbours. And it's sort of like the downfall of this town from that, you know, and how quickly people turn to sort of just, you know, you know, animals. Um, at the heart of it is there's, there's like sort of four young girls um, who are essentially blamed for it. And the town starts to turn against them even more because they, they see them as the sort of root of the all evil because they've they've um, they've released all this information. And um, whether or not they did or didn't really isn't part of the plot. It's not really that important. Um, it's just the idea of like how how quickly people turn to animals in the face of you know you know crisis essentially. Well, well, absolutely. Um... To be honest, we've seen that in real life here in Scotland when we had a nice dumping of snow. Suddenly, yeah. <laughs> when things started coming to a grinding yeah. halt, suddenly people started selling bread and milk for stupid yeah. amounts of money. Was it someone said, well, like, human society is only two square meals away from that, from absolute downfall. If, we miss, if the whole world was to miss two meals, we'd all just go into absolute, you know, an absolute bedlam. Yep. Um, so it's very much a, a, a cast you don't recognise um, it's, it's all you know, younglings who, who are just sort of breaking through you've got Odessa Young um, Harry Neff who is from Transparent the TV shows on Amazon um, yeah. Su- Suki Waterhouse is probably the most recognisable she's from Love Rosie and Insurgent plays a minor role in that and also Pride and Prejudice and Zombies she turned up as well in it as well okay. you've got Abra who is apparently I'm told is a singer um, I don't know who she is because I'm not cool and hip um, but she's a, a single lady and also you've got in a smaller role Bill Skarsgård um, Pennywise from It nice. um, he turns up in it and also Joe McHale from Community he turns up in it as well oh cool okay um, so they're all in it it's, it's a really interesting sort of I would say a blood splattered mirror of, of the society you know it takes a very real premise which is obviously this, 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 this data dump that can cause you know so many people issues um, 
and it starts at a very believable a very believable place but it starts to just sort of drop in these sort of moments of like holy fuck that was a bit over the top I don't I can't really see that happening you know that that's, that seems like a, that seems like almost a jump too far but if you'd released this film 10 years ago it seemed like a big jump too far releasing it now it feels like it's maybe like a step too far as opposed to a jump too far you know so it does seem closer to the, the reality than it was 10 years ago it still feels a little bit you know a hyperbolized version of reality um, so it does it seems to ramp up and ramp up and ramp up so it goes from believable to get to the point where it's kind of a bit unbelievable uh, and because of that the ending seems a little bit even more unbelievable if, if that makes sense and it's all of it doesn't really work quite as well that could have if they maybe grounded a bit more in the reality of the situation Ah, uh, okay. Uh, yeah, I'm with you, I'm with yeah, you. Yeah. Um, That's a wee bit of a shame. We have a shame, but the, um, there's a lot in it to like. Like, the cast are all excellent. You know, they're all, like I said, all breaking through. They're all, they all show promise front of the camera. They all show a kind of real natural, because it's done, the film's shot in a very natural way. Um, it feels, <laughs> does feel like, an, again, like an indie movie. Um, and they, show, they all show they're pretty natural in front of the camera. They all have, they all kind of have a moment in a scene that is theirs. And they all do own that that moment and scene that they have so they, they definitely they're all the cast shows get real promise and real sort of real sort of props um, so I actually really enjoyed them um, director shows a lot of poise as well you know for not really doing much in the past this is sort of his biggest film to date um, shows a lot of kind of poise a lot of flair as well there's some really nice interesting things with the camera some really nice tracking shots that sort of shows he, he knows how to tell a story he knows how to, how to work the camera and he can, and he can actually be visually quite interesting as well. You know, there's a lot of stuff you go, oh, that was actually really, really well done. I'm really quite surprised at how you've done that. Um, and it's maybe stuff you hadn't seen before. It does seem like a film that could very easily turn into, say, like, the next Purge. You know, like, sort of, it could easily be a Purge film somehow. You know, or, uh-huh. like, or, like, from this you get the Assassination Nation 2. You know, this time it's personal. And it's, like, sort of, like, the way the Purge just spawned on from the first movie. You could definitely see that happening with this one. I don't think it will, because I don't think it's been quite as big a success. Um, as the purge, but it certainly doesn't feel like it's a kick in the ass away from the purge world. But I think it's a slight, it's a much classier version, uh, and a much more realistic version, um, of something like the purge. Okay, cool. Yeah. Do you think it would be a? Do you think the premise would have been like a black mirror episode? It does. Is it, it, no, you're you're not. You're, you're, it's it doesn't. It seems a little bit, maybe not quite as out there as most black episode mirrors are. Um, but there's definitely roots in it, you know, this idea of like society's like dependency on, 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 on phones and on, on data and how, and how much, you know, how much stuff is on your phone that can be totally misconstrued in the wrong way, you know, yep. cause that's, it's getting to, it's one point in the film where one of the guys include a, is in, the internet accuse him of paedophilia because he got a picture of his naked six year old daughter on his phone. And it's like, it, it's his own daughter. Why would he not have a picture of on the phone in the bath? You know, it's like, that, yeah. that, that doesn't, that does not make him a paedophile. It makes, yeah. my, it makes my father. You know, it's the same thing that's happened recently with the whole Beckham thing, you know, kissing his daughter on the lips. It's like, it's his fucking daughter. You know, he, he, yeah. there's nothing wrong with what he's doing. Oh, um, it's, it's just that way, isn't it? It's like, if you go too far left and too far right, you're going to end oh, up in I, the same crazy place. Oh, totally. Yeah. And that's, that's what it kind of gets to. You know, you have that's you get to that in this point in this film, you know, that the left are just as crazy as the right and, you know, the, the, that, that constant indignation about everything and anything and everyone wants to be offended by something. You know, it kind of, it kind of gets to that point. You know, everyone's offended by something on his phone. You know, it starts out with the very sort of the the mayor who's sort of running a whole family first, you know, righteous you know platform who gets done for you know hanging out with gay men and you know dressing them as laundry, which I guess is in the public domain because that's 
you know, maybe he's, he's, he's lied to of what his beliefs are. Then it was onto a school principal, and the worst thing he did was, like I said, the thing with his, his kids and, you know, the thing with that, he, he pictured his kids on the phone, and I think at one point, in one of the emails, he's, he's him and his wife are discussing something else. It doesn't really paint him in a bad... It, it, there's nothing in him that's not a completely normal, natural thing, but because someone on the internet takes it the wrong way, it only becomes a huge thing, and he's forced to, you know, defend himself from something pretty horrific. You know, so it's, it's definitely... It's, a, it's, a, it's a, a really interesting film, interesting premise, perhaps just wrapped itself up a little bit too much in the attempt to try and become sort of this almost Tarantino-esque, you know, finale to the movie. But overall, uh, I enjoyed it a lot. Cool. Well, I'll certainly be looking out for it. Um, I don't know how much it'll actually, how long it'll stay out No, I think, I think it's already done its cinema run. I think it'll be, I think it'll be on Netflix relatively soon as well. Cool. Well, yeah. I'm certainly going to keep my eyes peeled for it. Yeah. It sounds like quite a cool concept. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'll give it a strong 7 out of 10. A really a good, solid 7 out of 10. Alright, nice. Yeah. Nice. That's a good score. Yeah, but that is us for this week. So, next week we've got a lot of stuff out. Um, uh, of course we do. We do. <laughs> um, so, we've got Wreck-It Ralph 2, Ralph Breaks Internet. Which does look kind of good, I'm not going to lie. I, I seen like... the trailer the other day and I was like, yeah, it looks alright. Yeah, and I, <laughs> I like the first Wreck-It Ralph, so I'm actually kind of, I'm all on board for this one. Um, you've also got another sequel called Creed 2 oh, which I, I was you're... watching uh, Creed 1 the other day it was on telly and I'm not joking I am pumped up you're pumped Creed for this 2. one are you <laughs> <laughs> Barry can you go to the, you've got the cinema that you're like, singing um, you know, Eye of the Tiger as you're running oh, into the cinema um, so that's out this week as well so I figured you'll be watching that one uh, we've also got a couple <laughs> of lower budget movies one called Anna and the Apocalypse which is a British zombie film musical uh, I've seen the trailer for this and yeah, it looks pretty terrible. I'm kind of intrigued by it, mainly because of the girl at work whose son has been taught right now by the screenwriter of it. Okay. So, I, I, th- I think I'm maybe just, I'm, I'm probably bashing it more because it's a bit too late to the cat party. Possibly, yeah. If it maybe yeah. came out a couple of years ago, I would have been all excited for it. It feels like it's trying hard to like sort of live off the of Shaun the Deadness, and it's like, well, Shaun the Dead was, you know, God knows how long ago, yeah. like, like 15 years ago now, so maybe, yeah. Um, but that's out. You've also got the possession of Hannah Grace, which is a you know exorcism horror movie, mm-hmm. which looks kind of generic, but who knows? Might be interesting. And also you have on Netflix, which hopefully you can watch is because it's December. We can now watch it. It is a Christmas movie, The Christmas Chronicles, which is uh, Kurt Russell, that... Kurt Russell as yeah. Santa. It came out a couple of weeks ago, but I put off watching it until now because I want to watch it in December. Because that's when you can start watching Christmas films. Yeah. That means we can start cracking out Die Hard and Home Alone. Die Hard, Home Alone, Gremlins, they can all start coming out now. But yeah, Christmas Chronicles, it's on Netflix. We're gonna, we, we, one of us is going to watch that this week and we'll, we'll talk about that next week. Alright, uh, nice one. Yeah, so um, what do you find us, Barry? Yeah, all the usual social media haunts, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, at Three Beers in a Movie. That's absolutely great. So I've been Richard, you've been... Barry. And we have been... 